When I first came to Israel in 1982, it was not as a soldier or spy, but as a tourist. A 21-year-old Canadian fresh out of the army looking to ease himself back into civilian life. After three years of a strict military regimen in the Canadian Armed Forces, what I really wanted was to see the world through the eyes of a typical hedonistic backpacker, not through the crosshairs of a 7.62mm FN assault rifle, or out of the plexiglass window of a military helicopter. Leaving my home in Victoria, British Columbia, I flew to Europe and wandered the streets of London, Paris, and Rome, as well as those of a slew of picturesque small towns in the European countryside. I tried to pick up some of the local languages while earnestly thrusting my own bad high school French, Italian, and German on the hapless locals. I didn't have to answer to anyone, let alone salute them. I got drunk with all kinds of people in all kinds of places and had the opportunity to learn a little about European women and their famously liberal sexual mores. In retrospect, those times were good preparation for some of the undercover work I would eventually be doing in Europe about eight years later. By October, my plan was to winter somewhere warm, then go back to Canada and rejoin my friends, who were by now slogging away at university. Through the youth hostel grapevine, I'd heard that Israel might be a practical choice. Especially popular at the time were the country's kibbutzim, collectives where visitors could work the fields or factories in exchange for room and board. I didn't know much about them, but it sounded fun. Tel Aviv in the morning. The scene resembled something like rush hour in any major American city, except the drivers were a lot less polite. Fat palm trees and lush green gardens surrounded low-slung apartment blocks, a strange combination of Santa Monica and the Italian Riviera. The language spoken sounded odd and entirely foreign. How amazed I would have been to learn that within a few years I would become completely fluent in Hebrew. From the sidewalk, I could see the sun reflecting off the Mediterranean. A group of wetsuit-clad boys, not much younger than I, carried their surfboards out to sea. You'd never know that Israel was then at war, having invaded Lebanon in June to roust Palestinian terror groups from the southern part of the country. Soldiers of both sexes were everywhere, their body language and manners casual. Military service is compulsory for Israelis between the ages of 18 and 21, and most men remain in the army's reserves until middle age, so people are used to carrying weapons and seeing others doing the same. The presence of armed men doesn't arouse the sense of anxiety it does in other parts of the world. At the kibbutz placement agency, I was met by a friendly man who spoke English well. As we gazed at a map of Israel pinned to the wall behind his desk, he asked me where I wanted to go. I asked him to send me someplace warm that I could get to by bus. He scribbled the name of a kibbutz in the Beit Sha'an Valley on a piece of paper. Then he handed me a transit pass and gave me directions to the city's central bus station, where I caught a bus out of Tel Aviv. Traveling roads once used by the Romans, Greeks, and a dozen other great empires, we passed through a succession of Jewish and Arab villages. Then we turned into a fertile valley bordered by the Gilboa Mountains to the south and a set of low acacia-studded hills to the north. I saw the dun-colored mountains of Gilead off to the east, property of the Hashemite kingdom of Jordan. I was awestruck, not just by the physical beauty, but by the centuries of history in which I knew this land was steeped. At the kibbutz, I was warmly greeted by twenty-somethings from New Zealand, Australia, Brazil, Sweden, and South Africa. The place had something of a party vibe, complete with a pub that some 1960s-era volunteers had converted from an old poultry processing plant. The beer was plentiful and absurdly cheap. Whatever loneliness I'd felt when I arrived the night before quickly dissipated. 
In recent decades, Israel's kibbutz movement has fallen into decline, along with the socialist political ideology that gave rise to it. But during the country's early years, the kibbutzniks were Israel's heart and soul. Most were stoical, avowedly secular Jews whose parents and grandparents had survived the Holocaust or other intense hardships. They'd arrived with a dream to forge a new identity for themselves and shed the dark cloak of diaspora Judaism. Though they always comprised a small percentage of Israeli society, kibbutzniks formed the core of Israel's founding warrior class, once staffing as much as 80% of the country's top military jobs. To this day, whole special forces units are still composed of kibbutzniks. Getting up early, working the land, camping and hiking were activities kibbutz children did practically from the cradle. They were tough and self-confident, and they knew how to work as part of a team.